Uh, welcome to the, I don't even know, abstinence, I think, uh, workshop meeting. My name is Jennifer. I am a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi, everyone. Um, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. This session is being taped. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember two hatters, i.e., OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there is any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures using a video camera or using our full name. Somebody have the actual title? Okay, just to make sure you're in the right room. Uh, abstinence and food plan panel. Okay, the format for this session is as follows. Uh, three speakers will share for 15 minutes each, and then we'll follow with 15 minutes of questions and answers. Um, so who is our first speaker today? And what's your name? Anna. You're from where? Sacramento. Okay, so our first speaker will be Anna from Sacramento. And timer, we have 15 minutes. Good morning. I'm Ann and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Ann. Oh, quite a crowd here this morning. I'm, I'm so honored to be able to speak. And I just kind of say prayer, God, um, let somebody hear what I, I need to say or let me say what you need to hear. My history is I've been coming to OA for 11 years. My current abstinence is just over three years. And um, I've lost over 200 pounds, and I don't do it perfectly. I just do it to the best of my ability every day. My abstinence um, is there's some black and white, and the mainly the black and whites are like no gym boys, no McDonald's breakfasts, uh, no caffeine, no sugar no flour, um, I weigh and measure my food, and um, I do allow myself to go out to Wendy's to have chili because that's safe for me, but basically I stay away from the fast food. Um, I weigh and measure my food. Um, I've been doing that for just over three years, and it's been a progression. Or, um, when I first came in the program, I did a pay-in way for two years and was extremely successful at 
did. But I was still eating compulsively because I was eating zero-point foods, which you know I didn't recognize back then, but I, I recognize today. And um, I joined the pain way because I didn't know how to eat when I came in the program, and so it gave me some guidance. And I lost 146 pounds on it, and it it worked. But toward the end of it, I realized because I was still eating those zero-point foods, I was my stomach wasn't shrinking, so I was still needing the same amount of food. I'd go out to eat, and I couldn't get satisfied. I'd have to go home and eat. And I got discouraged, and that led to a relapse for a year and a half. And when I came back, I came back very willing to do whatever it took. And God put this food plan in my life, which um, I was going to share it with you. I do weigh and measure. Um, basically, my food plan is... Um, two-thirds cup of oatmeal in the morning for breakfast, yogurt, fruit, and lunch is four ounces of protein, six ounces of veggies, and it's either four to six four to eight ounces of yogurt depending on whether I'm trying to lose or if I'm just maintaining, because I still overeat sometimes, you know, this is a scary disease, because I do do that. Um, so lunch, I Dinner is four ounces of protein, then six ounces of vegetables, 12 ounces of salad, which is really turning into too much for me now, so I'm looking at scaling it back. And also I have my um, sugar-free, fat-free dressing that I, I use. So when I started this, I, you know, I still ate sugar, and you know, I ate whatever worked. My breakfast used to be uh, peanut butter and graham crackers. And um, that's what worked for me at the time. But I noticed the road gets narrower as, as I get more recovery. And um, I'm not as free to eat anything I want. I need to be very careful. And I try not to eat anything new. They have everything new out there. But I find if I try something new, then I just obsess on it. So I just stay away from new states. My food plan is very... Um, I'd like to say limited, but it's very freeing to me to eat what's on my food plan, and I plan very well. I plan um, when I came here, you know, I planned to get a microwave and a refrigerator so that I didn't have to eat out. Um, I do allow myself to eat out. When I eat out, um, I try to go to safe places. I do not do potluck. If I have to attend a potluck, I know that if I start to eat, I'm in trouble. So I just go and visit, and if I told you the food doesn't call to me, I'd be lying because it does call to me still. Um, but I know even if it's just one piece of fruit, if I started a potluck, I'm dead because I know I won't stop. I do not go to buffets. Um, when I do go out to eat, I either plan to have an omelet or a salad. Um, and I bring my own dressing. If I don't have my own dressing, then I won't eat because I never know what they have in, in their dressing. I, I do plan my meals. I um, you know, have no full button. I don't know if any of you have that problem, but I don't know when I'm full until, until, until an hour later, you know, I'm sick. And so I, this way, you know, I'll tell you my story about this way and measuring. I went to another program, 
that's what they gave, gave me this food plan and it's just like a God thing and they don't really like OA and, and they had all these restrictions you know with the Nazi food plan <laughs> and you know it's a Nazi program and and I couldn't do everything they had because I had other commitments and stuff so um, one of the ladies I was talking to is trash in OA and she said well how did it work for you and you know I said you know it worked when I worked it and it just clicked on me. So I kept the food plan and came back to OA. And um, I came back very willing to do whatever was suggested. So this lady gave me this food plan on a Sunday morning. And I cried. I literally cried. I mean, four ounces of this and six ounces of this. Who ever heard of anything like that? I had not heard of that. <laughs> and I thought I was going to die if I ate that. <laughs> and so I um, I went to church and I was so upset I told my pastor I gotta go <laughs> and um, I went to McDonald's for one last time on the way home and I planned to um, had time to go to the store and get soda and you know I'm a drug addict and I cannot remember things I went to that store that day and God put every piece of food and that food plan in my head and I bought it that day and I started it the next day so God gave me this food plan you know and how can I ever go to go back I can't because you know thank thank you God I just um, and you know I didn't starve that and it was plenty and sometimes you know it, it's too much now God works in my life you know but I have to do the footwork I have to do the footwork I have to be willing. I have a sponsee telling me right now she's really into the food and she's saying, well, I'm powerless, so I'm going to eat. You know, it's hard to know what to say about that, you know. So we're just getting ready to start on step three. And um, I said, you have a choice. You know, you can eat that piece of chocolate or you can stick to your food plan. And for me, I always feel better if I stick to my food plan. I'm always freed from the compulsion if I stick to my food plan. Do I not think about it? I have to go buy this cake at work that is like snack aisle at work. Every day I go buy that several times, but I just know it's not an option for me. I cannot do one piece of candy. I cannot do the sugar. And I, I want to reiterate, I don't do this perfectly. You know, I have accidentally got sugar. But it's always a good wake-up call for me. I'll tell you, the last time I deliberately had sugar has been several years ago. And I got written up for work over it. I had a donut, and I went crazy. And I lost my temper in a meeting. And um, my boss was sitting there, Anna, it's time to be quiet. And I couldn't be quiet. <laughs> And so that was just such a wake-up call for me that, you know, because that sugar just, I was so angry that I could not control myself. And um, I consider that one of my biggest gifts. But I do occasionally, you know, I'll go out and something will be in the food that I don't, that has sugar, and I always know it because I always feel sluggish. I just don't understand how people can do sugar today. But I know that you have to, it's a progression, you know, and, and, and early on I couldn't face giving up sugar. And, you know, if that's what you need to do today, then you take care of yourself today.
because I firmly believe that your higher power will let you know when it's time, if it's ever time. Some people can do it. I just cannot do it. Let's see, what else? So I do, um, when I first started, I had starvation issues. I was starved as a very young child and I was also molested. And so hunger has always been a really big fear of mine. And so when I first picked a food plan, how much? Good. Um, I had to have quite a few meals, you know. Um, I had three meals a day. I'd have a snack in, in between each one, and I'd have a snack at bedtime because I could not stand to go to bed hungry. And today I do three meals by the grace of God. And, you know, I don't, like I keep saying, I don't do it perfectly. Like there was one night this week that I was definitely hungry at bedtime. And I knew that I could not sleep. And so I did have a yogurt. And what's different today is I, if I am going to do it, I, I do safe foods. And that's what I'm trying to work with my sponsor. I said, well, instead of the pancakes and all this, why not eat some fruit instead? And, um, you know, just trying to throw out alternatives. That's what I like about OA. You can pick your own food plan. You work with a sponsor. You don't have to do this alone. Um, we are so blessed with sponsors and support groups and um, talking to other people and see what works for them. Because what works for me might not work for you. Anyway, um, I drink lots of water. I don't hardly drink anything but water. Um, I cut out the caffeine. I cut out the caffeine-free. It was actually harder to get off of the diet soda than it was the caffeine. They are very addictive and they make me crazy. And if I miss anything, I miss my McDonald's diet drink the most. <laughs> but I am blessed by um, over 200 pound weight loss. Sometimes I white knuckle it. Sometimes I'm free from the obsession. Um, I just keep trusting God and I keep coming back. And, you know, you guys saved my life on a daily basis. Thank you. I'm Tom, a compulsive overeater. And um, lately, for whatever reason, I just recently hit my five year of abstinence, and I've been writing in the book. I thank you. I've been writing in the book. I really owe my life to OA, and um, so many things have happened as a result of this, these conventions. I feel um, just happy about it. I came in five years ago, and when I came in, you know, three health things were happening. My doctor diagnosed me as being pre-diabetic. So I didn't really know what that means, but I had a sense it had to do with the amount of sugar I ate. The second thing is um, I had pancreatitis, which when I hear about in these rooms, it's just um, people typically associate it with alcoholism, but it has to do with high fat quantities. And it's just, it was gut-wrenching, it really hurt. And the third thing is I had all these weird rashes, like here and under my arms, and no one could really figure out what it was, but my guess was some kind of food allergy. And um, after... 
and it could have been a thousand things. But after about five years, I don't have any of that anymore. And that's, you know, so when I say all my life to the program, that's really what happens. I um, have been in five years. I came in at a weight of 300 pounds. Today, I weigh about 235 pounds. I came in with a 42 to 44 inch waist, and today I'm 36 inches. And uh, my plan of eating is three meals a day, a reasonable plateful, um, an optional snack if I need it, but lately I've really been working towards the three meals a day and don't seem to um, need it. My bottom line abstinence is defined as bread. You know, I don't have bread because for me, one piece of bread and an entire loaf, two or three loaves are no different. Um, the same with sugar, like candy, cakes, pies, all that other kind of stuff. You know, one piece and five big things are no different. So I don't eat that stuff. And uh, potatoes, any kind of potato product, you know, I start eating it, I don't stop, whether it be baked, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the other thing I added, I'm really happy about this, six months ago, I was in this just magic debate about how crackers were not bread, because they didn't come in loaves. And I have to say, it took me about four and a half years to be willing, and to have God actually just put that on my list and to really be relieved of it. I think talking about my plan of eating and, and abstinence is really tricky business because my plan of eating does not equal abstinence. Abstinence is the act of refraining from compulsive overeating, and the tools of our program really bring me to that point. And if I put a plan of eating in any kind of different value than I do the other tools of the program, I'm screwed because it becomes a diet. And it just it kind of tricks me all the time because if I'm, if I'm having trouble with food and, you know, I've got a plan of eating. I write my plan of eating down every day in this book. You know, that's really not the problem. The problem is I can't adhere to it. And <laughs> the only thing that will get me out of it is really working the tools or working the steps. I'm telling you, if I'm having a problem with eating, I can guarantee you there are a couple of the steps I could be doing at that moment and aren't, whether it be the telephone, picking up a literature, saying a prayer. So, so I really like to keep them at equal weight because when I start obsessing about food and this plan, I'm, I'm kind of sunk. And food is our barometer. You know, if, you know, I, last night, I had a, a warm and fuzzy, I mean, I felt so happy by being here last night. I was so touched by so many of the things I saw and the people I was with. I was driving home and I thought, you know, Nuts would be a really good thing, and <laughs> yeah, and you know, we learn this all the time in this, you know, in this program. So I'm just, you know, I have a feeling that goes beyond a certain death point, and I want to eat. You know, whether it be happy, sad, mad, or that kind of stuff. So there was someone in my car, and I was just wasn't going to tell them. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so I was thinking, and then I finally told them, and guess what? I didn't have nuts last night, and that's what it took, and that really is by the grace of God. Um, so what I want to talk about is my troubled foods, and I want to talk about practices that support my abstinence. And I also, um, I travel a lot for my job, and I'm in conferences all the time. And I want to talk about bringing a plan of eating on the road, because I've gotten a lot of help from people in these rooms about that. So, um, you know, I actually kind of had a meltdown. I was putting my list of troubled foods together, and I realized there are so many of them. <laughs> and the happy news is that they don't all get on my back at once. So I don't wake up one morning and go through all these things. But these are troubled foods, and they're, they're, they're foods I, 
I occasionally have trouble with. Not as much as I did five years ago, and um, and that's it. So nuts and raisins, obviously, that is really a problem for me. Um, fried foods is really a big. It has been a problem for me. It's been part of my part of my absence has been no fried foods, and it's really hard. Um, fake candy and ice cream has been a huge one, and there's nothing good about that. In fact, um, if you want to realize it's a disease, see what happens after you eat that stuff. Um, buffets are a big problem, and because I travel for my job, they, they typically have been a real tough problem. Um, typically, um, what I'm doing with buffets now is, you know, when I'm at a hotel, I order room service. I don't go downstairs to the buffet for breakfast because, number one, it's cheaper. You know, and number two, it's just, um, you know, it keeps me sane. But lately, I've been in these places that have buffets that I go to because they didn't have room service, and I just get tired of it. And what I'm doing is bookending the buffet. So I call my sponsor and say, I'm going to have an omelet, two pieces of bacon, and fruit, and I call afterwards. And for, you know, three out of three days last week, that worked, which is really a miracle because I wasn't able to go to those before. Um, Asian and Mexican food. It, any, and, and also other, it, you know, I don't want to get all technical, any type of ethnic food that comes in huge quantities with lots of sauce and with lots of other things, I have trouble with. I just, um, and for the grace of God, I don't do those. You know, I, I have a miracle story about this convention, and it was, um, it was two years ago, and I was moving in with the love of my life who, and I hadn't lived with someone for 13 years. I was scared to death. And we moved to the Richmond District of San Francisco, which is known, there's, there's no other restaurants other than Asian restaurants there. And I tell you, for about 30 to 45 days, I called my sponsor every single day and said, I am not going to have Asian food. And I would call her every day, the following day, and say, guess what I had. And this went on for 30 to 45 days. And I was sitting, I went to, um, I think it was in Long Beach, and I went to the convention. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, something happened towards the end of the convention. I said, I don't think I need Asian food anymore. And all of a sudden, God took it from me. And it really is just how it works, but it certainly was not on my time frame. Popcorn, problem all the time. My partner goes out of town for business, and I go out to get popcorn. Um, when I go to the movies, I have to bring my phone with me before and after, just because it's dangerous. Or d'oeuvres is another thing. It's not, you know, the quantities of them get terrible. Cold cuts, you know, any type of, you know, that kind of stuff, I have trouble with. Um, and I was so happy. You know, I gave up Asian food, and then all of a sudden I, could, I, could, I thought I could have rice without the sauce and everything on it. And typically I could. Well, I had a trip to Southeast Asia, and guess what? <laughs> Every day I had this love affair with rice. And um, so as a result of that, I did a 90 and 90, you know, just to handle that, because all of a sudden here's a new food group that's just completely on my back. Um, and again, I really believe in using all the tools of the program as a way to counteract these. But I also have some, um, some things, um, uh, some, some other guidelines. Uh, the first thing is I live across the street from a Safeway. No grocery stores after 5 o'clock unless I'm accompanied by another person. Because, because I cannot be trusted. When I, part, you know, when I moved in and started my life with my partner, you know, people get together and have these big requests. You know, and I said that it wasn't about fidelity. It wasn't about any of that kind of stuff. It was, 
please, I want your permission, if there's ever food here that gets me in trouble, I want your permission to throw it away. That was my big non-negotiable. Um, because that's what I need to do for my abstinence. Um, dish soap, you know, I really, I felt kind of bad about throwing away food, but I also can't have it around. So if, you know how like the big food companies sometimes have new products that we haven't seen since we've been abstinent? And like I brought one of those in one time, and it really, it was cracker related when I was still doing that. And I just got the joy at just, you know, did that, and I, I do that pretty regularly. My other thing, embarrassed to say, I'm having trouble with chicken these days. Of all things, one thing I can eat, but the truth is I go to the grocery stores before five, and you get those roasted chickens, and I devour it like a carnivore. And the truth is I'm not doing that anymore. Um, and, and I only buy those things when I make a chicken salad that involves like three people, not just me. Um, I, when I go to the butchers, you know, and my butchers know me, I am, um, you know, I don't weigh measure. I really, I have a history of parochial schools, and there are so many rules that if there's too much structure, I will go mad. And, but the truth is, if there is not enough structure, I will go mad. Um, and that, so I, um, I go to my butcher, and I have them cut up whatever I want into three, like a pound goes three, and I can have one portion. It really helps me, so I don't have to, um, I don't have to think of that. Uh, conference food, it is my life. I was in the wine country for three days with business. And every time you look, there's just a spread. And um, I can do one reasonable plate full of food, but like for the snacks and stuff, I just don't do it, and I always have my phone. Um, a couple of things about traveling and eating out, because it's just really important for those of us who are road warriors. My favorite thing is like when, you have a, when I have a plane flight, I always bring something. And usually it's a deviled egg and an apple. That will get me through. And even if I think it's a one-hour flight, I always bring it anyhow because things are delayed. I had this experience. I, I sometimes feel like I'm a big shot traveler, and I always get upgraded because I have so many miles. So I got to the airport one day for a trip to New York, and I didn't get the upgrade. And what I realized is there's nothing in coach I can eat. So I'm sitting there having this panic attack. I mean, it's just like, what am I going to do? And blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to buy five of those little cheap things and just pick out of them. And this lady from program walks in, sits two seats next to me, and said, I brought too much food. I have an apple and a double, you know, and an egg. Do you want it? And if I ever question evidence of God, you know, it's just, it becomes indisputable. Um, the other thing is, oh, when I eat on the road, it's real tricky. I have the same things every day for breakfast. You know, typically I have some type of cereal, eggs, and fruit. Um, but if you can find chains, you know, that really can have what you want. Like California Pizza Kitchen has a cup of soup and a salad that I just love. P.F. Chang's for me has, um, you know, it's not the kind of Chinese food I overeat, but they have these dumplings and these lettuce things that I can eat. If you go there and, like, Planet Advance, you can find those in most um, most cities. The other thing I would kind of advise against is the Cheesecake Factory because their, their portions can really feed small villages. And it's not what I want, but I typically go out of my way to, to avoid that. Um, I said, just kind of I, I wrap up. You know, these are things that work for my plan of eating. I um, take what you want and leave the rest. But, but again, I just want to reiterate, you know, abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive overeating. The plan of eating is one vehicle 
to get there. And, um, you know, it's one day at a time. The other thing I want to, uh, two things. Um, I've, I've gotten this pattern of not bringing my phone to places. And I think it's deliberate. I think that's an action of my disease. Because I need to use the phone all the time. If I don't have it, I'm in trouble. I really want to pay attention to that. Uh, the other thing, you, know, you learn so many things in these rooms. I was with a friend a few years ago. It was Thanksgiving dinner. And she was telling me about some sugarless product you could get at a certain place. And I thought, oh, that's, um, you know, that's, that's good. But I've been thinking about this for years. The other night I was in Sonoma. I saw the place. And I thought, I'm going in. I thought, I'm not going to call, but I did remember to say the third step prayer. I said, God, you take this one from me. And I find myself walking into that store and um, going, made the order, and um lady comes back and says, I'm sorry, we're out of that. And it was the only... It was the, I was testing it, but this is how, if I work the tools of the program, you know, that kind of stuff happens way more than the other stuff. So I really just, um, I owe my life to this program. I owe my life to these rooms. And I just, uh, thank you for being here on Saturday morning. I think I can do this this way. Hi, I'm Ella. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. And I'm standing to the side because for so long I stood behind things so that you wouldn't see my body. And um, if that's okay with you and okay with the recorders, I think I'll try it. First of all, I'm sorry I was late. I thought it was 8.45, but it wasn't. Um, So abstinence and food plans. I've been amazed that in this program of Overeaters Anonymous, sometimes there's two things that are sort of Um, See, we're not supposed to say them. We're not supposed to say the A word, abstinence, and not supposed to say the W word, weight, and also not to say the F and O words, fat and obese. And what happened when I came in here is you told me this was not a moral issue. You told me this was a disease. This was the first time I came in here when I was 40. I've been in here 26 years. That was the first time anybody told me it wasn't because I was emotionally screwed up. It wasn't because I was a bad person. It wasn't because I was afraid of intimacy. It wasn't because I needed love. It wasn't because my father jumped off the roof. It was because I had a disease and that I was like an alcoholic. And at that time, we had only the big book. And when I read that, and I read that it was a phenomenon of craving that made me overeat, I was relieved. So I want to say that it's okay to say that word, abstinence. And I also want to say that today, abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. Now, I believe that. I will say that. Do I always act as though that was true? Sorry, no. Because... If I see too much food, I will want to eat it. And then, as the former speaker said, you know, food in great quantities is really a problem, potlucks. When I first came in, I wouldn't go near a potluck. But, you know, after a while, I said, well, I want to participate in life. Well, I want to tell you that last Saturday, I had to be at two potlucks. And 
you know, the intelligent thing would have been to do is eat my own food in between. But I was testing it. And then after the first one in which they had cooked all this food and no one was there and I felt obliged to, you know, <laughs> help out the host, I mean, I had to make a phone call because I was shaking. And I didn't, quote, unquote, overeat. But, oops, is, is that still working? But my relationship to that plate of food was insane. And, um, you know, I was shaking afterwards. So I wanted to just say a couple of things that was also touched on that people say we're free to de um, define our own abstinence. I don't agree. I think there's one definition of abstinence, which is refraining from compulsive overeating and eating the amount of food that allows me to attain and maintain a healthy body weight. Now, I understand that if I came from a place of 300 pounds, I may not end up at a body weight that's considered ideal, but if I've lost 150 pounds or if I've lost 100 pounds, you know, I'm really doing a great job. And um, I think I'm free to choose my own food plan, but I'd, I'd just like to believe that it's not rocket science. And if I'm, you know eating, you know, a chicken and calling that protein, my protein service, so protein portion, hey, you know, come on, I'm fooling myself. Um, um, I had to, I was in this program for 26 years and I now have 12 and a half years of back-to-back -back abstinence. So if you understand, well, yes, but I'm saying that so you get to do the math. Um, which means 13 and a half years of not back-to-back -back abstinence. And in that time, I would have three and a half years and blah, blah, blah. And also, I didn't eat sugar or flour or any of those things. So um, I had to give up a lot of things. I had to give up sharing. I had three and a half years, and I haven't eaten flour and blah, blah. Meanwhile, I'm eating a wheel of brie, I'm eating a jar of peanut butter, I'm eating a jar of mayo, I'm eating a turkey, you know, I mean. <laughs> I've gained 60 pounds in three months. Uh, no, I'm not exactly abstinent. And I had to give up saying those things because they were, um, I wanted to somehow say I was still okay. And I want to say that no matter what I weigh and no matter what I eat, I am okay. My behavior is not okay. Because if my behavior was okay, I wouldn't come here. And I didn't come here to be a spiritual giant. I didn't come here to be emotionally sane. I didn't come here to be nice to you and to love you. I came here because food was killing me and because overeating made me miserable. I think if it hadn't made me miserable and I was obese and unhealthy, I'd still be doing it. But it made me miserable. And, you know, I went through a lot of those phases. I went through fat as a feminist issue, and I'm a big, beautiful woman. And those were all probably true. But the fact is, I didn't feel good about what I was doing. Um, so um, I, I feel like, you know, people talk about the disease being threefold, spiritual, emotional, and physical. But a lot of the times, people divide the recovery, and I can't divide it. To me, it's all one. Because if I'm overeating, I don't have a connection with God. I have a connection with food. 
If I'm overeating, the only emotions I have are misery, depression, anger, self-pity, resentment, irritability, irritability. I'm just freaked out. And, you know, before I became abstinent, um, some people think I'm kind of edgy now. But... <laughs> It was the knives and swords, you know, and I made up an entire personality based around my addiction. I said I was a wild and crazy girl. I said if you couldn't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen, you know, and um, I was arrogant, and I made it look as though I really wanted to overeat. You know, at first I thought it was a problem that I ate in secret, and I thought if I ate in front of you, then I wouldn't eat in secret, but guess what? I ate in front of you, and then I ate in secret. So um, I could not control my behavior when I was eating. I could not. So that, to me, makes me feel that abstinence gives me a shot at life. Now, am I emotionally sane because I don't overeat? Am I spiritually fit because I don't overeat? Not always, but I have a chance. And... You know, we used to say um, sanity, not vanity, and really it's not about the vanity, it is about the sanity. And as again, I just want to say I don't think fat is a moral issue, and I don't think it's an aesthetic issue. You know, I think it's just, for me, it doesn't work because it's a symptom of my disease. Um, you know, a food plan is guide to eating. It's evidence of my surrender. It says I turn my life and my will over to the care of God. Well, my life and my will does include my food, you know. It's not just my feelings. It's not just um, what I do. It is how I eat. And it also helps me know when I'm taking the first compulsive bite. Um, and I don't have an accurate assessment of what I eat. So for me trying to think about when I'm full... <laughs> I'm never full. I mean, you know, I don't understand those people who push away the plate. I'm never full. And, it, and also, you know, it's okay to be hungry. I mean, I'm a well-nourished person. I live in the United States of America. You know, I didn't suffer because I felt so full that I was lying on the floor holding my stomach. I didn't feel it wasn't such a problem for me that my digestive system couldn't work. It wasn't such a problem for me that I could hardly walk. Now, why would it be such a problem for me that occasionally I feel hungry? You know, hunger is a good indication that, um, you know, it may be time for another meal. And when I came in, it was three meals a day. And someone told me once that she only eats three times a day because then she only has to stop three times a day. So once I followed this food, and when I came in, it was... All I did was three meals a day, no sugar, and no binge foods. And, you know, I didn't have maybe an entire list of binge foods. You know, I had some. I can't eat some things that you can, and I can eat some things that you can't. But it was simple. And along the way, I became, and I thought those people who weighed and measured were, you know, nuts, that they were really cuckoo. Um, but along the way, I uh, joined and an AWOL group, which at that is a way of life. It was a group to work the steps, and they required that you weigh and measure. And I said, oh, okay, I want to be in this group. 
And once I weighed and measured, I found it was actually easier. And a few years ago, I became willing to buy a digital scale, um, which, you know, I highly recommend because those postal scales, you know. <laughs> and um, also, I mean, you know, what I like to say is my relation to the digital scale is if you put the foods on in increments, there is a little leeway between one ounce and an extra eighth of an ounce. So you put it on till it gets to the eighth, and then you back it off. Now, when I'm really surrendered, I stop when it hits the one. And can you believe it? What an idiot. Um, you know, I'm not willing to sacrifice an eighth of an ounce of food for sanity. Now, that really shows you desperation, doesn't it? Um, okay. Um, now, also, when I came in, we didn't have nutritionists. And for all of you who are going and have gotten a food plan, I'm not trying to insult your nutritionists. But there are as many nutritionists, probably, as there are people in the room. And they all have different ideas. And some understand compulsive overeating, but I remember once somebody's nutritionist gave her a plan which involved eating four almonds when she was hungry. And she said, what is four almonds? You know, I do not understand the concept of four almonds. And I went to a lot of nutritionists and paid a lot of money, and they all had different ideas. And if it was a food plan that kept me from compulsive overeating, a food plan alone, I would have been in Weight Watchers. Because I don't truly, I don't have craving, you know, whether I have cravings, I have a craving to overeat. So it doesn't matter if you take away all the sugar and if you take away what, what couldn't I eat, you know, some bizarre idea. I could eat parsnips but not white potatoes, you know. So I'm buying parsnips by the pound, you know. I mean, I, I just kind of don't go for it. Um, I feel like we're probably pretty intelligent. I know what foods trigger me. If I'm allergic to tofu, I don't want to know because I eat it and I like it. Um, I feel there's enough foods I give up. Please don't ask me to give up tofu, although I suppose I might if I was pressed. Um, so um, the other thing I always used to like is people would say my food plan's not working. So <laughs> this food plan, I don't know what that is. but um, And I try to say you know, to the new sponsees, just do this for 30 days. And if I don't follow it, then I just don't follow it. And one of the things that worked for me is I kept coming back and I kept on being honest about the food. And that's what it says, if I can be honest. And my honesty starts with being honest about the food. And I guess finally I want to say that um, I'm just truly grateful that every day I'm abstinent, I'm truly grateful. I'm truly grateful to this fellowship because I never for a moment believed that I could stop overeating. And um, thanks to this program, I have been able to. And that is just the greatest gift in my life. And you are a gift in my life. And when I came in, I didn't want to be here. I surely didn't want to give up butter, chocolate, and the whole host of foods. And I never imagined and I thought people who did were weird. Um, so I'm one of the weird people now. And I'm really grateful to be weird and abstinent. So thank you. Okay. It says, I will now draw questions from the Ask It basket for up to 15 minutes.
Where's the ask it basket? So I'm assuming I'll ask a question and then whichever, whoever wants to answer it can answer it. When you break abstinence, there is a feeling of defeat and shame. Do we start at zero again in terms of years of success in programs? Does it matter? Does anyone want to answer that? I'm glad to answer because I just had an experience with a sponsee about this. If it's not a moral issue and if abstinence isn't the prize and if I'm not a good person because I'm abstinent and a bad person because I overeat, I don't know why I'm afraid to say that I'm having trouble and I've broken my abstinence. I don't believe that's failure. I just believe that's what happened. And for me... Being willing to be honest meant that I didn't, it was because I wasn't ashamed and because I was just willing to say what happened. And, you know, people keep on saying, well, this is really different from AA and NA. But, you know, I know people who started their sobriety again because they went out and had one glass of wine. And it's not because they didn't come back the next day. And it doesn't obviate everything I've done before. It doesn't cancel it out. But it just helps me to be honest. That's my experience. And also, you know, it's not like I never had too big a meal. It's just, you know, I mean, that's kind of a problem sometimes is to know what's the break and what's not. But, um, you know, I think that's something to discuss with sponsor. And as long as I'm not ashamed or not trying to hold on to something because it's a prize, uh, then I think I can be more honest. For me, um, I had shared during my share that there's black and white for me in my abstinence. You know, if I do McDonald's, if I do that, I feel like, yes, it is, you know, refraining from compulsive overeating, but my abstinence needs to have black and white, or I could go and have a McDonald's breakfast, which is going to lead into craziness. Um, I'm not going to start my abstinence over again every time. I eat something, you know, eat a little too much, or um, we have to be gentle with ourselves. That, 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 and so that's why I do have black and white. If I go to McDonald's, it relapse. But otherwise, because so much of it is trial and error that you know, we think we don't know that we can't eat something. And so, do we start over every day? For me, no. I would not have any abstinence if if every time I ate a little bit out of my food plan. I mean, I do feel better sticking to my food plan, but it sets me up if I'm going to um, consider an extra apple or an extra this a relapse. I'm not. I want to be easy on myself. And just to echo what people said, I am. I, I would be in big trouble if I ate sugar, bread, crackers, potato products, and that's my bottom line. I haven't had to do that yet, but. The truth is there have been times where I've gotten into some kind of trouble. My job is to be really honest, and it's my sponsor's job to make the call about whether I start to count over again, what I do, because if I start thinking about that stuff, I'm whacked out. So I just, um, that's my perspective. Hi, 
How do you manage? Sorry, I'm trying to read this. How do you manage to deal with keeping your obsessive behavior around food abstinent? Just reading what's here. How do you manage to deal with keeping your obsessive behavior around food abstinent? I'm assuming they're talking about just abstaining from certain behaviors. Well, when I get into the behaviors, I go to the tools of the program and I call people, I write, I read. Um, so I'm not sure that's what the person is talking about but I try to redirect that obsessive thinking and behavior. How do you counsel your sponsees when they have a break in abstinence? What experience of yours do you share to give them strength and hope? Well, for me, it's... um, it's their choice if it's a break. It's not, a, it's not my decision to make. Only they know if they've broken their abstinence. But I, I counsel them to be easy on themselves. Is it just a slip? Because like I said, it is trial and error. Um, so many foods we don't know that trigger us until we have them. So we, I mean, it gets discouraging if, if every time they eat something and find, learn something new. What For me, what's important is that they learn from it and if they, um, you know, try not to do it again. But it's just easy on ourselves. I'm not strict about it. I let them decide their food plan. I let them decide if it's a break in abstinence. Because if I decide it, then they're going to have some resentments over it. (laughs) Well, um, I guess I'm assuming here that we're talking about being in real trouble. What I talk about is what worked for me when I was in relapse. I ask only that they call and be honest. Um, I don't care how many times you call and say, I didn't eat that, my food plan. I suggest continuing to try the things that we've committed to and not being afraid of not doing it. Like, in other words, I committed to a food plan and every day I'd call my sponsor and say, I didn't do it. And it was okay to make the commitment and not have that commitment somehow realized because I thought if I failed to make the commitment, then I didn't have a chance. And I just try to say keep coming back, go to meetings, because honestly, if I knew what would make you abstinent, you know, people say, well, if you want what I have, do it again. No, I mean, I think there's plenty of people who are having trouble with the food, who are going to meetings every day, who are working the tools, who are getting down on their knees, who are working the steps, and God knows why. And I just feel like I tried and I kept coming back, and that's what worked. So that's all I say. And I never fire anybody. My point of view is there's, a, there's someone in my sponsorship life who, who suffers from this, and you know they break their absence all the time. But they've got an amazing recovery. They're on the phone with me, you know, an hour after it happened, with a tenth step and that kind of stuff. And they're really they've got a, in certain ways they've got a better recovery than 
I do. I mean, I aspire to some of that level. So what I do is I don't focus on the day count. I really don't focus on the food because, you know, they've hammered themselves enough. I, you know, when I talked earlier about the Chinese food thing, I call my sponsor every day. Nothing. I didn't get anything back except, I'm sorry that's happened. And I want to be that way, but also view recovery as a totality rather than just a, a one-night stand. <laughs> How has your Lord or higher power changed through time? Well, when I came in the program, I didn't have a God. I mean, I, I believe in God, but um, I thought I was too bad. You know, that there's no way that he would accept me. And I actually did um, a, a good God, bad God exercise back in. I think it was like 96 or something and I put what he used to be and I put what he is now and he, and I still read it I still have that piece of paper and I read it to my sponsors and you know I ask him to help me with the weight I ask him to help me clean my house both of those I mean my house was that's another subject you know? <laughs> but today my house is clean well rel- relatively clean and I've lost all my weight. You know, he answered my prayers, and he came more, came more than I could ever have asked for. I might. It's a great question because I'm on step 11, and I've had so many different iterations. I've always had conscious contact. Um, but like during the new age of the 80s, when you expect the hum to come when you have got, uh, you know, and great things. But, you know, I'm finishing my 11th step now, and it's, really change. It's very, very practical. I just kind of have this relationship where I just partner with God. Like, how are we going to do this? Or how are, and just really listen to the signs and pay attention to those little things like the lady on the airplane. You know, that really is, you know, those are the miracles. But just on a, it's more of a dialogue than it is some type of great, um, you know, lightning bolt. Well, I'm one of the people who came in and, the, you know, they said, take what you like and leave the rest, and, and the rest was God. Um, um, and um, it took me a long time to think that the second step meant that I was willing to be restored to sanity. I didn't have to figure out what it was. I didn't have to believe in something. I just had to have some kind of faith. Um, it talks somewhere, uh, we were reading this about the great reality within us. Oh, um, and I've begun to understand, I ask that within me, which is willing to align myself with what brings me um, peace and sanity. I just ask. I don't know what I'm asking or who I'm asking. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess that would be, I'm here to tell you that I'm one of the I don't know people and um, that that's have to be okay, um, but that I'm willing to pray to something other than me. And people have said that as long as a higher power is not us and not the food, then that's enough of a start. And, um, you know, for people who don't believe or don't think they have one, Oh, the one thing I did know is that God wasn't a fairy godmother, which really annoyed me. 
because I thought when they came in and said it could do for me what I couldn't do for myself, which is that I, I could stand in the bakery and, you know, it would be taken from me. And unfortunately, that was not my experience. Please share about how you find willingness to do something you don't want to do. <laughs> pray. <laughs> and pray some more and pray for acceptance and, and willingness. I didn't want that food plan, but it is what God put in my life. And so a lot of times I don't want what God puts in my life. You know, one time years ago, I had somebody go ride with me somewhere, and I didn't want that person to ride with me, and it turned into the biggest blessing. So I don't always know what's good for me. So when God puts something in my face, I need to look at it. Um, what helps me with that actually is service, because I tend to collect the names of newcomers and that kind of stuff, and if I really don't like, if I'm in one of my moments or in the zone, I really don't want to call someone. I don't want to go to a meeting. I don't want to outreach, but I can remember to call a newcomer, just find out how they are, and not focus on myself. But the more I can have an out-of-self experience, and service actually gives that, or if I'm in a meeting and I just don't want to join with people, I can move a chair and it just starts small conversations, and that's what makes the difference. But just those tiny little acts, but service, doing something for other people will, it sounds narcissistic, but help me really you know, move through the unwilling. Well, I'm one of those people who doesn't want to do anything. So, if, as someone said, if I only listened to what I want to do, I wouldn't get out of bed. Or I'd be upstairs right now watching Wimbledon. Um, unfortunately, I signed up for the Serenity Patrol. Um, so, it's kind of like, um, in the moment, I sort of make myself do those things. And it's really helped me to get somebody else in on it. Like, I need help. And when I have do something with somebody else, you know, like make a commitment to go to a meeting with somebody, make a commitment to somebody that we're going to work in my yard, all those things, I've really used the tool of the fellowship to help me with those things. And I've over the years come to not trust that I don't want a voice. So that's been my experience. How do you define a slip versus a break in abstinence? Here I go again. Um, yeah, I heard earlier in recovery, slip is sobriety losing its priorities. And um, it it is, to me, a, that's why I have black and white things that if I break them, you know, if I overeat, that I don't. That's a slip. If, if I um, eat differently, sometimes you're getting stuck in the wrong place, and you have to eat something different. A break. That's why I need black and white. It's not just refraining from compulsive overeating. I need to know that I cannot go to Jim Boys, and I cannot go to McDonald's, and I cannot eat candy. And so the rest of it, I just consider slips. What I do try to do is learn from my mistakes. I learn if. I always try to take something away from it. Oh, I did that. That didn't work. I don't want to do that again. I think that's the most important thing about the slips. I have a notion in my program, and it's not relapse. It's prelapse. So I get, 
into these patterns of like, you know, any of those foods I listed earlier. And, um, and that's really, and again, my sponsor calls the break of abstinence. I don't do that. But um, what I do is, I, story, maybe not a story. Um, <laughs> anyway, pre-lapse is just when food's getting on my back and, um, and I call and I work a program around it. That's well, God, I really don't know. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm here for that, uh, that uh, aspect here because I'm sure what I might call um, a slip or an error in judgment or not so much a slip as, gee, I'm going toward the food instead of away from it. Um, somebody else might call a break in abstinence. You know, there's some people here who, actually I'll quote somebody who um, was quoted by her sponsee that said, um, you know, abstinence is different from a diet because it's something we're in for life. And basically I eat today the way I ate when I came in and was losing weight. And so it can't be so tight that it's like a straight jacket and I'm fighting a it, but it can't be so loose that it's like a big old moo that's falling off of me and I don't have any clothes on. So, you know, I don't know. I just want to say in these 12 and a half years, I have had meals that were rather large. Um, you know, probably I haven't had three of them. Um, so um, I think I knew when I was in trouble, and I'm hoping now that I know that I'm not. But I just want to say I hope I have the humility that if I really get in trouble, that I'm willing to tell you that. So um, I think you're all here because you care about being abstinent. And um, I know that today everybody sitting in this meeting is abstinent and that that's a great miracle. So I'm really glad that we're all here together. Okay, it's now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service. Let's please stand and join hands as we close with, um, I put my hand in yours.